This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand on the air. Welcome to Headscarves and Good Yarns with me, Amal Abdullahi. The show is all about talking about race, diversity, and everything in between, all in the hopes of empowering a more empathetic Aotearoa. We talk about all these huge life things through the lens of people's lives and stories. I hope every yarn you take a wee gem from it and expands your heart and mind just a wee bit more. Kia ora, alaikum. Welcome to another episode of Headscarves and Good Yarns. Today it will just be me writing solo, but I am kind of low-key excited for it. Like I just love sitting down and just yarning <laughs> lol by myself in a room. Um, it's almost like therapy. Um, and I feel like whenever I sit down with the mic, I'm always just like, hmm, what's been happening in my life recently? What will be um good inspiration for this for the show today? So no, I'm actually really, really stoked to be um, sitting down and, and chatting. And also, just a heads up, um, there probably will be some some chaotic energy in this episode. I had an exam earlier on today, and um, yeah, it was quite taxing for the brain. So just a heads up, and also an apologies if my sentences don't make sense, or if words come out and it doesn't sound like any language documented in our current knowledge or history it probably will happen but please bear with me um hopefully we'll still be having some really good yarns today um the first thing that i wanted to talk about was the feedback from the last episode with large you guys are so kind and honestly so amazing i think it's really sweet that um you guys take the time out of your day to get in touch with me and share your thoughts and your feelings and um also I think a testament to how amazing Waj is I yeah just really love her energy and her passion and one thing that I also really loved um or one of the key takeaways for me from having Waj on the show was just the permission she gave for people to explore and to form their own opinions I think um you know people know that what's happening um in Palestine is not okay but you know gross violation on human rights but for Waj just to come on here and to be in the mindset that hey actually it's a like okay for people to not know a for people to not know I loved how she normalized people um not knowing and not having opinion but then following that up with but I would like to know tell me more or I will go find out more but just normalizing not knowing and and she also normalized you know for people to have their own opinions like from having Waj on the show like we know exactly what her position is um and it's a very strong one um but for her to step back and say hey actually you just need to figure it out yourself and I'm never going to sit here and tell people exactly how they should feel how they um should feel or what they should do I thought that was amazing of her and um a lot of you guys touch base and yeah just share your thoughts and feelings on the episode and I thought that was really really cool um and I just wanted to follow up with some you know just some action points because I think people want to know more they want to do more they want to donate so um 
I have a list of resources here. I just want to um, credit my sis, uh, Norul, for making this post together. Um, check her out on Instagram. She is at Norul, Norul ZB Shamsul. Um, and she put this post together with things that people in New Zealand can do specifically. Um, and I thought that was very cool. So I want to credit her um, for her mahi. Um, so the first thing you can do is raise your voice. So you can write or email to your local MP and raise your concerns about what's happening in Palestine. Um, and there is um, there are sorry there are templates that um, you can use. So if you follow her on Instagram, then there is a link um, to the template that you can use, or you can run off the template and write it in your own way. Um, and we are write it in a way that resonates with you but there is a template as well if that makes life easier as well so just using your voice that's the first thing that you can do and I just want to add to that and and say that you know you can use your voice to talk about it with your family and your friends as well I yeah as I was saying before I loved how large normalized like not having opinion and exploring your own opinions and part of exploring your own opinions and and learning is actually learning uh talking sorry talking to other people and seeing what they think and um understanding their viewpoint and you know understanding the things that shaped how they formed the opinion that they have or sharing what you do and do or don't know um, but I think talking is a really important way of um, sharing and learning and developing your ideas um, so raise your voice with your family and friends and see what they say or don't have to say or maybe you can all do some I don't know but let's learn together or you know if there are people in your life who do have a um, formed opinion on it um, talking to them and you know if they're con- if they want to of course um, but definitely raise your voice within your own circles as well um, but definitely the option of writing or emailing to your local MP is there as well um, the next option is to donate um, so you can donate to New Zealand charities and organizations like the Kiwi Trust for um, Palestinian Children Relief um, Almanar charitable trust the federation of islamic associations and um palestine solidarity network and these are new zealand based um new zealand based charities and organizations so you know that your money is directly going to the organization i think um with the bigger ones you know there is a bit of a concern as to how much of the money will get through to where you want it to go um so yes these are new zealand charities and organizations that you can um donate to and um you can learn and educate yourself. So um, there are a couple of books here. So Justice for Some, um, The Question of Palestine, uh, Palestine Speaks, so Narratives of Life Under Occupation um, on Netflix. Um, surely if you don't have a Netflix account, then you know someone that you can um, leech off and use their account. Um, but there is The Present um, on Netflix and also Born in Gaza on Netflix. Um so resources there to um, learn and educate yourself and also um, something you there are lots of accounts that you can follow on Instagram um, and other social media platforms um, 
I think you know I've spoken about how I feel I how I personally feel about social media but I do agree that it is a good way to share information and share resources and it's accessible for you know what most of us do um, in our day-to-day lives so I won't read out all of the handles um, but I do strongly encourage you to go um, follow Nordle so just one more time it's Nordle Z B Shamsul, so N U R U L Z B S H A M S U L, all lowercase, no spaces or anything like that. Um, check her out um, and check out the post because then you can um, see the other accounts and you can see the organisations and all the other resources um, that have been listed. But yes, you know if you want some actions or some things that you can like hold on to um from waj's episode um that is something for you there um but i think what i really like hope you guys can run away with too is just normalizing not knowing and normalizing exploring as you do find your own opinion and your own two feet um so yes so lots of love for waj and i think yeah, it was just so cool that you guys um, got in touch and, and told me how you feel. And please keep doing that. Like, it um, it honestly really does make my day. And it also gives me um, more motivation. Because if I have to be real, I just I haven't had the capacity to do anything on social media um, for such a long time. And, you know, if you just look at the Facebook page and the Instagram page, it looks like I just don't even put episodes out um at all and I have been I just haven't been able to do anything on social media so the fact that um I'm not just speaking into a void and there's people out there who are listening um that just yeah that makes my um honestly makes my heart jump with joy um not in an egotistical way but more just like okay there are people who um listening to what's going on in the world and I hope that inspires you guys to um, go on and have these conversations and these yarns um, in your own personal life but anyway moving on to um, the good stuff for today so the first thing that I wanted to talk about is um, the wee video that I think almost everyone in New Zealand has seen now which is um, a lady in Tauranga she um, was opening up her speech with some greetings except the greetings were in um, Te Reo and uh, the people who were there instantly booed her and you know shouted at her and screamed at her and told her to get off the stage and um, stop with that nonsense and I, wow, I still cannot believe that something so visibly um, racist <laughs> is, is happening in, in 2021. And I'm, not, I'm not naively saying that I'm surprised that it's, um, racism exists in New Zealand or there are people who have those views out there but more just that behavior I think um it just goes to show that we still have a long way to go um because you know racism still has a platform in New Zealand there's not quite 
yet that zero tolerance that um, we talk about a lot um, and racism is still very much alive and you'd think after you know literally the life changing things that have happened the past two years um, with the Christchurch terrorist attack and then even though it didn't directly happen in New Zealand but the huge um, Black Lives Matter movement that took off and um, you know the occupation at um, Protect um, Ehemato you I don't know you just think that behavior that's so openly racist like this there would be zero tolerance for but we're actually still not quite there yet um it's yeah racism is still very much alive in New Zealand which um honestly it does it does just um break my heart and just um everything that's been the social media storm that's happened um since this video has come out has triggered lots of thoughts in my mind um the fact the first one being a lot of the people or this is in my personal circle anyway it could be different but a lot of the people who were sharing resharing the video and saying you know this is not on this is very racist um are already quite switched on in that space and know that it is very racist and I feel like how and it just made me think well how do we get to the people who aren't converted because sometimes with these sorts of things it can feel like you're preaching to the choir a bit and you know what as I'm saying that I should you know make the point that yes you know there could be that one person who reads that and they think oh actually yeah I didn't think about it like that way um and you know you can't argue with the value of one person having a moment to reflect and and think about how they feel about this particular video um but sometimes it, it does feel like you're preaching to the converted already and how actually do we include everyone in this conversation or how do we create opportunities for those who aren't thinking about race at all or thinking about what racism looks like in New Zealand um how do we get people like that involved in the conversation and how do we create opportunities for that because you know you can't think when you're thinking about change you have to think about it on two folds yes there will be some people that will just never change their opinions ever and that's fine as long as you know the majority are there because the majority will be able to decide what the tolerance line is going to be so if the majority of people are zero tolerance you know that actual line will hover um close to zero if not zero um But I think we also need to be thinking about not what the majority is thinking, but where is our spread of opinions as well, right? Um, Because there will always, unfortunately, be that um, the small portion of the population that's just not wanting to have these conversations, not wanting to see, um, not wanting to see what racism is like in New Zealand. Um, But we, we really, I think we need to think about 
those who um, live on the edges because the fear or the concern about the people who live on the edges is that it will be the people who are on the edges that will be more likely to have extreme views. Um, Like if we want to have a truly safe and open space, there's no tolerance for any kind of extreme thoughts and thoughts are just thoughts until they are enabled and it becomes behaviors and like the enabling of behaviors is set by what we accept as a society I mean thank goodness for social media these days because and in phones in a way just because we can see what's actually happening like imagine if this is before we had the opportunity to just whip out our phones and take a decent quality video of the silly things that are happening around us instead of just hearing about it but now people have the opportunity to publicly say hey this is like not okay this is racist like people have the opportunity to kind of participate in a wider conversation about what we will and won't accept and and hopefully that's an opportunity not just for the majority to be having that conversation but kind of opening that door even wider for those who do live on the edges to to come on board in this conversation because it's not always about the majority. I think we definitely do have to think about the people who live um, on the edges. And I think we should um, try and, yes, we can talk about it with our friends and, and validate each other and um, learn together. But more often than not, I feel like you're most of the time preaching to the converted, or especially for people in our age group just from like the the messages you guys have been sending me and being like active in this space it seems like people in um our age group or maybe I should specify and say my age group because I'm not too sure how old y'all tuning in are um but my age group of like mid 20s Oh gosh, sounds weird to say mid-twenties. Sometimes in my head I still think I've like just turned 21 or 22. But it's actually, that happened many years ago now and I just need to let uh, let go of that. Um, But you know, the mid-twenties and younger, it seems like, okay, we know that there's a problem and we know that it's not okay. But how do I be um, an ally? How, How do I find avenues to to do the work and all these sorts of things but um I find that when I have conversations like this with people who are I don't know don't want to put a numerical value to it but people who are older the tone of the conversation is very very different I've noticed um regardless of what community is if I'm if it's um you know with Pakiha people or um, people in my community is it's there's more there's a tendency of 
oh this happens or like you know why is this wrong or like still that level of thinking um and and this is me just generalizing I'm not saying it's for every single person in that age group but this is just a general observation that I've noticed um being in this space for um a wee while now um but I think it's really important that we try to include everyone in the conversation as much as possible um, because we're not we need to be thinking about more than just the majority and um, another thought that I had uh, while I was watching this video once I kind of recovered from the shock because I was like really shocked to be perfectly honest with you like te reo Māori is a national language a national language so you know should have the same standing as English and she got booed for speaking one of the national languages like it literally makes no sense and it just goes to show that we still have a really long way to go in terms of how we treat tangata whenua and another thing that I was thinking about as well was why does it actually bother people so much or the people in um, that video, and I cannot speak for them. I haven't sat down and talked to them and and figured out why it was such a huge issue, but um, definitely you can pick up that sense of animosity towards um, anything related with tangata whenua, I think. There is a really, like, immature and like visceral reaction to a language that is one of our national languages which means it is a treasure it is a treasure languages they're so precious they really are they are gifts and for this gift to be so openly rejected I think it shows there's an underlying animosity that might be a strong word for it but you know something in in the similar vein to that feeling um towards tangata whenua and you know where is this uh animosity coming from if it is animosity and i definitely i think it has to do with the fact that we still have very strong negative stereotypes of um, tangata whenua in New Zealand and um, it kind of reminds me of that attitude of uh, you know you're, you're taking I think whenever Māori um, is given a platform as it should there's always this sense of rejection or um, animosity or disgruntlement um, that that comes through and sometimes it's really obvious like we saw in this video and sometimes it's not you know sometimes it can look like complaining about why um, Māori students can get into med school while working less hard than everyone else I mean, I think anyone in Dunedin who studied in Dunedin has come across that attitude. Um, but there's there's that attitude that always comes through and it always follows. And 
we again that's why we cannot have people living on the edges because when things are changing I think we need people to move with the change otherwise really essentially what has changed um because there's still within those people who live on the edges there is that potential uh there is that potential there is that possibility that um behaviors like that could be enabled again um or it is a breeding ground for something more um so it's really important that we we think about the edges and of society when it comes to talking about race and yes um so just going back to my point before yes that sense of animosity always follows and i think it has something to do with um colonization comfort and that is i think it's something that i have spoken about before on the show but i haven't spoken about it in a specific context or in this specific example and I think what's happened here is we've had this system and the structure that serves a majority for such a long time if you're not aware of your of the privilege I think if you're not if you're someone of the majority and you haven't had the chance to reflect on your privilege the world how you see it is on how you experience it is the norm and you know in in that sense that's totally valid because that is how you've that is how you've experienced this world um it's always been like that um and because you haven't had the chance to process your privilege you don't connect it back to your privilege or you're not super aware of the fact that actually not everyone lives the same way that you do and um so when people are now speaking to our maori and there are all these opportunities for tangata whenua which rightly should be there it seems like something's being taken away from you because it's perceived as a threat it's oh this doesn't align with how I see this world how I interact with this world and it's a threat to how it's a perceived threat to how you to how you exist but I I actually think that's why it's so important for people to sit down and be like okay this is what privilege looks like for me and this is what or what it does or doesn't look like for me um but just understanding the systems behind like the your reality that you live in and exist in because and and I think this is important for everyone not even just the um not even just the majority I know I personally know people from migrant communities who definitely um don't understand what's happening here in New Zealand in terms of um tangata whenua and don't care to understand because you know there's that mindset of well you know 
I, I've come to this country with absolutely nothing. Um, none of my, you know, qualifications were recognized or I just wasn't recognized for my value in so many ways that I had to build my um, life up completely, entirely from scratch, from square one and look at where I am now. If I can do it, anyone can do it. And sure, that is exactly that person's reality. Absolutely. You you know, I'm not taking that away from anyone. But this is where you have to think about. And it's. I know that there's a lot of resistance sometimes, I think, because especially in the migrant community, because, you know, there's some people who have worked so hard and have really set themselves up for a really good life. But there are some um, people in the migrant community who are still struggling, you know, paycheck, sorry, to paycheck kind of thing. And there's a diverse socioeconomic background in the migrant community. Um, But regardless of whatever people are experiencing, no matter who you are, I'm just taking this outside of the migrant community, no matter who you are, wherever you come from, however you identify, whatever your religion is, we all have some kind of privileges and sometimes we don't. Um, But we actually need to take the time out and figure out what those privileges are or what they aren't, but how that links up to the wider system and not just linking it back to yourself. I think um, I'm now I'm specifically talking about um, the people in the video who were so um, enraged by hearing, um, by being greeted, uh, greeted um, in Te Reo Māori. I think what's happened there is there, that perceived threat that I was talking about um, has come in and they possibly haven't had the thought process of what is linked up to the system and how rather than probably how they view it now is this is my reality this is my life and if something happens no matter how minor because honestly that person only said like six words it really wasn't that much and it was just a greeting but it doesn't matter how big or small that actual perceived threat threat is if it's a threat then people are not going to be um happy about it there will always be this sense of animosity um towards tangata whenua and i think we need to acknowledge um we as a country need to acknowledge the systemic damages that have been done to tangata whenua rather than thinking about it from that individual perspective of oh you know you just need to do this or do that and easy as life will be a lot easier and not so hard but that's actually um not what it's what it's about what we need to be we as a country what we need to be thinking about is hang on the stereotypes that we perpetuate on a daily basis towards um, Māori have painted this very negative image um, and I think that anchors whatever reality we have um, in our heads even more so which is 
that colonization comfort again instead of pushing through that barrier and recognizing that there's actually systemic damages and wrongs that have been done to tangata whenua and rather than putting it back on our selves and validating our experience as it's entirely um, up to us as individuals actually putting it back to what our privileges are I think once you understand what your privileges are, you're able to appreciate your life for in a much wider sense and you'll be able to be more understanding towards other people's experiences. I I feel like I need to give an example. Um, yeah, I feel like I need to give an example. Okay. So I, when I was at primary school, um, it was a very mixed primary school in terms of we had all socioeconomic backgrounds, we had kids from all cultural backgrounds, and then the classes started to get streamed, and um, I, the diversity just severely and drastically went down. I think I was, you could count like the number... Um, of students who were of another ethnic background like on one hand type of thing Um, and so I always felt this insane pressure to to do well because I felt like I had extra eyes on me Um, and I felt like I just had to prove myself there was always this sense of of wanting to prove myself and um, and this, this attitude didn't come from my parents it's just something that I picked up because I was friends with a lot of um migrant students or students who are of another ethnic background and so that attitude that I was talking about before of you know if you work hard you'll be able to get out of anything in life and if you don't work hard then it's kind of on you that attitude I didn't realize it even though I've never consciously said yes I think that's true I must have subconsciously um, just absorbed that because it wasn't until I um, went into high school and you know because the classes were streamed there wasn't really that many people um, there wasn't that really yeah that many people of um, colour in my classrooms or any tangata whenua in um, my classrooms as well it wasn't until then that I realised Actually, it's not even it's not even about work ethic. It's putting it's actually the system. It's a system that's um, empowering some students and um, disempowering students and not giving some of the students the support that they need. Um, and yeah, I really I remember thinking, oh my gosh, like. I just don't know what to do with this um, awareness because I could painfully just um, painfully just notice it everywhere since that um, since I gained that awareness and that's when I realized that actually in this sense yes I am privileged um, 
I am really privileged and I never thought about my privilege like that before but once I was able to think about my privilege in that sense entirely let go of my ego and my um, comfort or um, the reality of my life wasn't anchored in me as an individual it was anchored in oh okay you know I have um there was definitely understanding of okay I have this in my life because of my privilege not necessarily because of me and I can see how that's given me xyz and shaped me in this particular way um but when people don't have that um awareness of their privilege they're not able to look at other people and understand why their lives are the way that they are there's none of that empathy there's none of that um understanding instead you just have this this perceived threat and this character this bad character that has been perpetuated by media and like the attitudes that you just soak up around you um and that it's now a threat so um i think colonization comfort definitely came through in that very short clip and I think we should be talking about our privileges more and if you're sitting here and you're thinking well Amal I I don't have any you probably do you just haven't thought about it yet um and you know when you do think about the privileges that you do and don't have I'm encouraging you to think about it for gaining more empathy and understanding that some things are actually due to the system and not to um, the individual. And if you do find yourself being irritated um, by anything that where marginalised voices are uplifted, then I, you'll. I think it has to do with that that colonization comfort or just if it's not to do with race just that comfort too much comfort in your privilege not recognizing that it's a privilege and anything that takes away whatever you have currently um is seen as a threat and it's actually not a threat um there's space for all of us um and if something's a threat we should actually all be banding together and thinking about how we can dismantle the system so there is space um for everyone so hopefully that kind of made sense i felt like i rambled just a little bit but that's fine um the other thing that I wanted to talk about as well and this didn't happen in New Zealand but I again it also triggered all sorts of thoughts and I really want to take some time out to talk about it on the show so um you probably have heard what's happened um but in Canada they found um the remains of 215 indigenous children at a residential school and um we don't know the names of these children yet but um my heart just is heavy just thinking about 215 children um children as well that is really heavy um Oh gosh. Yeah, I think when I first read this it actually I had to take some time to just process it and understand because it's really shocking. Like I think 
we think as a society stuff like that happened way in the past and it has you know it doesn't represent who we are now um but the seeds of that evil force that caused these 200 215 children to leave this earth in the manner that they did is still hanging around today and i think that's why it's still it's really important that we we talk about it um because this cannot happen ever again um so if you're reading that and you're like okay or listening sorry and you're like okay what is a residential um school so residential schools um they were technically under the care of churches um these schools but then the government in canada um adapted it as part of the um indian act and i don't have the year of what year that act was um formally introduced but it was adopted as part of the indian act so yeah initially taken care by the churches but then the government um later adapted and so while these residential schools were active um 150,000 children so 150,000 children that's like that's just a number that my brain cannot even wrap its head around because it's so big but 150,000 children were forcibly removed and taken um, into boarding schools. And these schools were underfunded and overcrowded. Um, so not a great learning experience for these children who were forcibly removed from their, from their parents, from their families, from their culture. And... The aim of these um, schools, quote-unquote, was to kill the Indian in children. So to assimilate these children, basically. And um, the last of these schools were shut down in 96. So, you know, I was two years old by then, so we're not... It didn't happen that long ago. Um, And then... 96 fast forward to 2021 um there was now this mass grave that has been found at one of the residential schools in british columbia and at the moment um people of the first nation so the indigenous people of canada um or work are working alongside museum specialists and also the coroner's office to um is like establish who you know who these 215 215 children are um the cause and the timing of death and you know the this mass grave has been a huge shock because these deaths were not previously reported um by by the school so um you know when that that report comes out of the causing the timings of the death i think um that will be a huge conversation for Canada and um, Justin Trudeau is that I'm pretty sure that's how you say his last name he wrote or he tweeted you know his sentiments and in his tweets quote-unquote he said you know it's a dark and shameful chapter of our history and um you know as I said before like the last of these schools closed in 96 so i was two years old by then and even though i feel really old and my knees creak as if they're really old i'm very young so it's not history 
there will be people who are alive who have graduated from these schools um it's not history it's current it's not part of the past it is current it's wounds that are still very much open um, for people so no it's not a shameful chapter of our history it's a shameful chapter of our present of our country um and i feel like when you know when the news of this came out there was you know a huge you know wave of shock and um sadness i know i've just when i think about this i just feel this sadness that it's it's really hard to find words for um but it's always that sense of oh you know it's it's not us this happened in canada um but there are some very dark and shameful bits of our country as well and i think this is what's happening to indigenous people in canada but you have to think about what tangata whenua have gone through in new zealand um there's still a lot that we also need to work on as well and we need to be having the conversations as well that's happening in Canada right now of course in Canada it will be happening under a different urgency and a different tone because a mass grave has been found but we have dark and shameful bits of in our country as well and if we don't talk about it if we don't understand it then of course we're going to have moments of people getting booed when they're um greeting a crowd in te reo uh, sorry and you know when people are grumbling about why um people are um peacefully protesting to protect their land and their moana like what's happening and um why Hickey or Kennedy point at the moment so um Nati Pau are occupying Kennedy point um to protect Moana from being drilled um it has it was delayed um due to court hearings but it is set to recommence so it's really important that people understand well actually why are they um protecting Moana what's going on there and I think we have to go back before we understand what's happening now and that's why it's really important to to learn the history and i talk about this with my friends all the time we were hardly taught what happens in uh new zealand history like we just know about world war 1 world war 2 um the treaty of waitangi and that's basically it um and we need to know more like you don't know about the dark and shameful histories until you go seek it out for yourself um and we have statues of that represents that colonialist history but not understanding you know that person who who was the statue what they had to do to get there in the first place and I think we should have more education opportunities um through schools and through our museums and through 
you know, all of our other avenues for education. It's really important to talk about the history and not just the colonist history or the history of the winner, um, but the history of everyone. Um, We need to know to avoid future atrocities and if we want to look towards a country that honours te tiriti then we need to be kind of I think looking back first and looking at those dark and shameful parts and it will be uncomfortable Um, it isn't um, pleasant to talk about but we kind of owe it to our future and we owe it to those who have been marginalised for such a long time to get through those feelings of uncomfort because, you know, there's that privilege of having to learn about and having to understand rather than experience it. Um, So we, we owe it to the future that could be if we learn history as it was Um, because there's probably a lot of people in Canada who didn't even know about these residential schools or knew about the Indian Act or the fact that 150,000 children were forcibly removed Um, and then you you learn stuff like that and what's happening now just kind of makes a bit more sense like um, in my Pacific Studies paper that um, I did this trimester at uni, we were talking about the Dawn Raids. And it was something that um, actually wasn't brought up in school, um, but it was something that I I just heard about um, through life and, and other opportunities. But unless you seek out that information for yourself, you honestly have no idea. And there were people in my class who were like, huh like what is the dawn raids or if i have heard of i'm actually not too sure what it is so um the dawn raids if for those who are tuning in and you're like wait what is this (laughs) um is you know people um maori and pacifica were often accused of being overstayers so police would raid um people's homes early in the morning or late at night you know to use that element of surprise to arrest suspects um and so they were very common especially in Auckland um and this was to crack down on illegal oversteers from the um, Pacific Islands so and, and this happened between the mid 70s to the early um 80s and the uh, raids were introduced by Norman Kirk's Labour government and then continued by Rob Muldoon's national government. Um, and so, you know, with these raids, which happened at times you couldn't predict, um, there were overstayers um, who were often prosecuted. And um, the way that we were taught about it in classes that, um, you know, it was people who were targeted and even the ads and the messaging at that time it was um, um, painting um, Pacific Islanders and Māori people which is even more ridiculous because Māori's tangata whenua like this is their land this is their home um, but anyways tangata um, oh so yeah 
Maori people, uh, Maori and Pacific people were highlighted as being overstayers. But when you actually looked at the stats behind overstayers, the majority of um, overstayers were actually people from the UK. But in the messaging, it definitely didn't include UK people in that imaging. It was always targeting um, Māori and Pacifica people, so it was only Māori and Pacific homes that were um, targeted. Um, and, you know, this didn't happen that long ago either, like the 70s and the 80s. There will be people who experienced that and will be alive now and will never be able to forget that. And that's hor- like honestly so horrible um, when if the intention really was to check on suspected overstayers, um, it wouldn't just be targeting Maori and um, Pacifica people, it would be targeting everyone. Especially when the majority of the statistics were um, people from the United Kingdom were typically overstayers and Pacific people didn't really make up a huge percentage of that population. Um, But anyways, you know, I wonder how many people in New Zealand don't know about the Dawn Raids. It's something that we don't talk about, but I think it's really important that we do talk about these dark and shameful bits of history. Um, We need to know. People will look at what's happening now and won't understand the history and the colonisation, all these other things that have happened to where we are now. Um, because if you have no idea about the history, you know, you will have your own opinions and thoughts about um, the communities that we have out there, which is really unfair if you don't know what the history is behind that. But the opportunity to do so um, isn't quite there. So, yes, history is very important to acknowledge. Privilege is very important to acknowledge both uncomfortable things to kind of talk about but um they are present and so I definitely encourage people to um raise their voice and talk about it and you know if you're really scared and you really don't want to have that conversation keep it small just keep it to yourself have a have a journal have a wee diary that you can share your thoughts with yourself um but I encourage people to be brave and have that conversation with their family and their friends You'll be surprised as to um, what you'll learn and what you'll be made aware to. Um, And I've just noticed that I've been rambling for such a long time. I should probably wrap up this episode. Um, But I also would like to acknowledge that it's um, Someone Language Week. So get amongst. It's also Pride Month. Um, Get amongst. The one good thing about these weeks and these months is that the resources uh, that are available are just so well promoted um it provides lots of learning opportunities if you want to take um a hold of them so yes take a hold of them and i will catch you the next time on headscarfs and good yarns thank you for tuning in into another episode of headscarfs and good yarns to keep spinning the yarns let us know your thoughts you can find us on facebook and instagram at headscarfs and good yarns or email us at headscarfs and good yarn at gmail.com This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.